Life can really wear you down so that you've got nothing left to give. I feel like I'm in a war zone. There's just one battle after another. I argue with my wife. I clash with my kids over everything. I fight to keep my job. I struggle with our growing debt. And I'm losing the battle with my weight. And then there's conflicts inside me. I fight my own fears and I battle with my anxieties and my temper. I'm always fighting off depression. Sometimes I'm just fighting to keep my head above water. And I'm just so tired. How does the goodness of God help you when you feel like that? When you're in the battle and you're all beat up, how does God lift you up when you're worn down? Not after the battle's over. And I'm not talking, I'm talking about in the middle of the battle. Where do you find the goodness of God? Because you may be looking at your life and be like, okay, Matt, you're doing the series on the goodness of God and I don't see it anywhere in my life. Well, there's hope. So, hey, everyone, this is Matt with another Overflow Pod looking at the goodness of God. And we've been going over Psalm 23 and how good is God to you, whether you're resting in green pastures and by still waters or whether you're in the valley of the shadow of death. Or in this pod, when you're facing an enemy, wherein you're in a battle, a financial battle, a health battle, a relational battle, a battle for your own sanity. How does God show his goodness in that kind of situation? Psalm 23, 5 says, you prepare a banquet for me in front of my enemies. What does that mean? It was written over 3,000 years ago. How can it help you in the battles that you have against your enemies this year or today even? We're going to look at four questions to answer this. First, what kind of banquet is this? Well, let's go word for word. It starts with you. It's referring to God. First, God is the host. So can you imagine the honor of getting an invitation in the mail where God says, I'm inviting you to my banquet? You'd be an A-list star. You probably wouldn't even go to bed. You'd stay, stay up, taking a couple of showers, getting a haircut, doing whatever you can, finding the best clothes so that you would be ready. Next word is prepare. The banquet is well planned. It isn't spontaneous. Next is the banquet, or in the King James Version, it says a table. That word table in Hebrew means the king's table. Not just a simple table, but one of those really amazing long tables worthy of being one of the best tables holding a king's feast. Next comes for me. We are the guest of honor. This is a banquet that's really just for you. It's you and the king. And what comes next is it's in front of, which means it's public and it's not in secret. People are going to watch you eat with the king. God wants to see you honored. And God wants everybody to see you being honored. And then the last phrase, which is kind of like the catch, in front of my enemies. Oh, there's a twist. God doesn't say, I'm going to prepare a bunch a banquet for you and your friends. No, he says, I'm going to prepare a banquet for you. And all of your enemies are going to be there to watch us eat together. This means this banquet or table is like a battlefield. You're not alone. It's not just your friends. It's your enemies are going to be there. And the king says during the battle, I'm going to come and throw a banquet for you. And all your enemies are going to watch me honor you, bless you, and have peace with you. Now, the second question is, who's the enemy? Well, there's three. First, the world around us. The world's in opposition to God because it worships itself, not God. 
The world around you is always coming after you, always criticizing you, always not understanding you. If you've ever been picked on or put down or had injustice or bias or racism or prejudice or being overlooked, that's the world around you. Second enemy you have is Satan. Now, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Satan hates you and has a terrible plan for your life. And the Bible says that Satan wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you, to defeat you. Why? Who are you? Well, honestly, he doesn't even care about you. The only reason why Satan hates you is because God loves you. That's why you're the enemy of Satan. Because God loves you and Satan hates anything that God loves. And so because God loves you so much, Satan hates you that much. Satan wants to hurt you and destroy you because he thinks that'll hurt God. I mean, seriously, if you want to come at me, you come at my children or eventually my grandchildren, that would hurt me the most. So if you got the world around you, you got Satan against you, and the third enemy is the old nature inside of you. The older you get, the more you're going to learn that your biggest enemy is actually looking at you in the mirror. You don't always do the right things that you intend to do. You have good intentions, and Paul wrote an entire chapter in Romans 7 about it. Where he said, the things I want to do, I end up not doing. And the things that I know are bad for me, I end up doing. I'm in this battle constantly. That's the third enemy against you. So now the third question, what does this banquet symbolize? Well, two things. First, God wants and welcomes fellowship with you. This is one of the most amazing truths in the universe. That God, who created everything, wants to know you and wants to hang out. It's an amazing truth. A banquet always represents fellowship in the Bible. And when you want a fellowship with somebody, you say, let's go grab something to eat. Because it's something that we can do. Or you go over someone's house and they throw a party for you. I want to hang out with you. I want to understand how much I care. You, I care about you. He wants to show you how much you're welcomed by him. How you're wanted by him. And he wants to do it. Listen to this. When you're under attack. To encourage you in the presence of your enemies. So when everyone else is coming at you, God says, I want to throw a party for you. I want to have a banquet for you. Psalm 511 says, you welcome us with open arms. Talking about God. When we run for cover to you. In other words, you're in a battle and you need a little protection and you run to God. God says, I welcome you with open arms. Now, it's a party, it's a combat zone, it's a banquet in a battlefield. And I want you to use your imagination to imagine a picture what this would look like. So go back in time, and you will, in your mind. Imagine the days of Robin Hood, days of knights and vassals and kings and courts. And imagine a giant medieval battle and there's two mountains and you have team A over here and team B over there. You're on the good side and they're on the bad side. They're the evil people and you're the good people. And imagine that you're just a, a soldier on the front line in this medieval battle. And you're out there in your, your, your armor and you're fighting hard and you're just a peon and the enemy's coming against you and you're in a heated battle and you're tired and you're sweaty and you probably got blood all over you and you're scared and you're hungry. And all of a sudden word comes up with an explanation. A superior official pulls you from the front line and says, I don't know what's going on, but... Way back there, see that big tent over there? It's been erected with the turrets and the flags, like a big circus tent. Yeah, what's going on? You start, walk with me. 
Because there's a feast in there and you're invited. I didn't know you knew the king. When you walk into that tent, there's the king's table. It's 50, 75 foot long. It's heavy wood. And you wonder how in the world did they bring this to the battlefield? This is the king's table. Only the fancy people and the noblemen get to eat here. Only the strong and you know influential people. What are you doing there? And you walk in there and the table is decked out with all of your favorite foods. Your comfort food. And now when you're in the middle of a battle and nothing tastes as good as going home for some good comfort food. So you walk in there and there's the king. It's just the two of you. And around the tent, there's maybe 500, 700 guards. There's no way the enemy's getting in there. But the tent flaps are open and everybody can see what's going on inside. It's not hidden. It's public. Everybody sees that the king has called you out of battle, brought you back to this giant banquet feast with all your favorite foods and then the king says to you in a loving voice this is all for you i made this for you i planned it for you i just wanted to hang out with you i love you i miss you and i wanted to affirm you publicly in front of all these armies i want you to eat all you want unhurried unworried you're protected here there's no way the enemy can hurt you i just want to affirm you and have some fellowship with you you think you're in a dream world how does the king even know me i'm just a servant i'm just a soldier and then so everybody knows what's going on. The king orders, erected a giant banner outside with your name on it. And the banner says, I love you and has your name. The king signed. <laughs> you know, now what I just described to you is exactly what God is talking about in this passage. You prepare a banquet for me in the presence of my enemies. You're the guest of honor. It's not for anybody else. It's not like you, you get to look on, you're wondering... You're, in, you're not the wedding crasher, the party crasher. It's in your honor. Songs of Solomon 2 verse 4 says, He brings me to his banquet table and his banner over me is love. You may have never thought that God was proud of you. But if you're a child of God, if you ask him to forgive you of your sins and you enter into a relationship with him, God is your daddy. Because all your sins are forgiven. And they're placed on Jesus. So don't think that you have, there's nothing wrong with you in God's eyes. Because they've all been forgiven, past, present, and future. We talked about that last week. So he brings you into this banquet. And his banner over you is love. And he wants your whole enemies to know how much he, the king, loves you. Now go back to the picture. The enemy are fighting and they see what's going on. And all of a sudden they just stop the battle. Like, what is the king doing up here? Sees his big tent and fanfare and everyone stops and stares they go isn't that some just random dude who was fighting in the front line that's weird now i've learned personally that when god wants to bless your life there's nothing that critics can do about it when god wants to bless your life they may spite you they may slander you they may ignore you they may ridicule you they may libel you they may say all kinds of mean things about you but they can't stop god's blessing on your life they just can't. So the person at work who wants your job and trying to push you aside, if God wants you at that job, it doesn't matter what they want to do. And if they are having a tough time with you getting over here in this area and they're trying to stop you when God's blessing you on your life and God's been over you as love, it doesn't matter. They can't stop what God wants to do in your life. They are powerless against the king and your enemies are dumbfounded. God loves to show the blessings of his people right in the front of the enemy. And in your battle, in the middle of the battle, God is inviting you to a banquet. 
Job 36.16 says this, God is gently calling you from the jaws of distress. What a picturesque phrase, right? From the jaws of distress to an open place of freedom where he has set your table full of the best food. Job is saying the exact same thing David says in Psalm 23. He says, God, while you're in the middle of the battles you're in right now, God is saying, hey, come on over here. I got a banquet for you. He's gently calling you. He's wooing you. He's coaxing you. All done in love. And right now God's calling you to his banquet. And I highly recommend you accept the invitation once you understand what it means. It says God is calling you from the jaws of distress. Remember the movie Jaws? <laughs> Let me ask you, what's chewing on you right now? What's eating you up? What has got you worried, anxious, fearful? It's just gnawing, gnawing, gnawing at you. You're stressed about it. You're in the jaws of distress. And God says, hey, come on. You deserve a break today. Just like Burger King. Come over. I got a banquet for you. God is gently calling you from the jaws of distress to an open place of freedom where you set your table with the best food. As I said, others may criticize you, attack you, demean you, dismiss you, disregard you. But God wants to hang out with you. And that's the first thing this metaphor, I prepare a banquet for you, means. God wants to fellowship you and God wants to feed you to give you new strength so that you can get back in that battle. You're tired and you're about to fall over and you need God's strength to make it through the day. You need sustenance and you need nourishment and refreshment. He says it's all there. It's all laid out in the king's table. And I transport it right here to the battlefield for you. He said, I put a lot of preparation in planning this. I want to honor you. God wants to welcome and fellowship with you. Now, here's the second thing the banquet means. God wants to bless me to show the world his goodness. You're a trophy of God's grace. I am a trophy of God's grace. I don't deserve the blessings of my life, but I don't, I don't deserve anything. It's all by God's grace. You don't deserve this banquet. But God says, I want to do it just because I love you. You are exhibit A of God's grace. You're God's goodness on display. Psalm 31.19 says, your goodness is so great. Remember, we're studying the goodness of God. It says, your goodness is so great. You have stored up great blessings for those who honor you. You've done so much for those who come to you for protection. You know, when you're in the middle of battle, it says, blessing them before the watching world. In the presence of mine enemies, God says, I want to bless your life. So all the people that are going to look at you and go, wow, that girl is blessed. Or, wow, that guy is blessed. I want that. How are they blessed so much? Well, they have a good God. They know God. He says, those who honor me, I have stored up great blessings for those who honor me. Stored up indicates advanced planning. It means that God plans what he's going to do for you before it actually happens in your life. It's stored up in advance. It's not just a spur of the moment. You may think it's a result of what you're doing, but God prepares it in advance a banquet for you in the presence of your enemy when you're in battle. All right, so let's apply this in your life. You know that battle you're going through right now, the tough one you're going through, it's a white knuckle bare hands thing. You're holding on like a roller coaster, like you're on a roller coaster for dear life. And you don't know if you're going to win the battle or not. Maybe it's a financial battle, a physical battle, a relational battle, a dignity battle, a moral battle. Whatever the conflict's going on in your life, those jaws of distress, that, that battle, God says, I prepare a banquet for you in the presence of your enemies. 
and he had stored up that blessing, means that whatever you're fighting right now, which is very intense, before it even started, before you even got into it, God had already prepared the victory celebration. God had already prepared the banquet because he knows how it's going to come out. You store up in advance great blessings for those who just keep honoring God with your life, with your body, with your business. You keep honoring God with the way you think, with the way you act, the way you talk. And even though everybody's coming against you, you just keep honoring God. And God goes, I have already got this banquet planned. It's already stored up because you're going to go through this with my help. God loves to throw victory celebrations for his children. Psalm 35, 27 says, How great is the Lord. He is pleased with the success of his servant. God loves to honor you, and he's pleased with the success when you succeed when you are his servant. God put all kinds of promises in his word about it. And if you're in the middle of the battle right now, any of it, you need to realize that God has prepared a banquet just a few hundred yards away from your battle. And you just got to walk over there, walk into the tent, sit down, and have some fellowship with God and eat your favorite foods. And that's what God wants to do for you. Now, fourth question, what is on the menu at God's banquet? Well, everything that God has promised in his word is on the menu. See, the menu is the promises of God in his word. Now, by many counts, one estimates that there's over 5,000 promises in the Bible from God to you. Have you eaten any of them? Have you understood any of them? Have you consumed them? Have you been reminded of them? Everything God has promised to do in your life is in the Bible. And if you're not reading it, you don't know squat about what's on the menu. All those promises are in there. The Bible is full of fruit and bread, meat and milk and drinks and wine and sweets and lots of desserts. God calls the Bible the word of God. It calls it the bread of life. It says men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The Bible calls it the meat of the word, the bread of the word, the milk of the word. It tastes sweeter than honey. It's fruit. It's fulfilling. It's tasty. Over and over again, all you have all these terms to describe the Bible itself. And you can have a feast anywhere. You've got one of these. You may be sitting in a bus stop and pull out a Bible and start having a preach. Or you pull out your phone and listen to it. And your anger goes down and your fear goes down and your anxiety goes down. And the reason why your anxiety is up is because you're not in God's word. You don't know what God's promised for you because all you can see is the trouble. So if God has provided a feast, a banquet in his word, why would you ever go eat, go to the internet and eat a granola bar when there's a feast laid out for you? You're reading the newspaper. You guys still read newspapers? Probably not. You read articles online. You're reading magazines more than this. You're reading social media far more than the word. That's starving you. It's taking away nutrition. While this will be feeding you what God has laid out and promised you. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 103, the promises of your word taste sweet to me, sweeter than honey in my mouth. You got a bad taste in your mouth? How much time are you spending in his word? If you're not spending any time, you got nothing in your mouth but gravel. This is the feeding. Are you fasting or are you feasting on God's word? All the stuff he's promised to do in your life, you, you can't remember them. Or if it doesn't come to the top of your mind when you're in a situation, then maybe you're not in, you're not at that table as much as you think you are. 
I mean, how much time are you really spending in his word? Not very much, you say? Well, you go to church once a week. It's like eating a meal once a week. No one would do that, right? That's crazy. I mean, at best, we'd be anorexic. We'd probably die. <laughs> you know, what you're learning on a Sunday morning isn't enough. You've got to feed and feast on God's word every day. And this is where you get the strength of the battle. Because if not, you get tired and you get anxious. You need his strength. And you start to fail in the battle because you simply don't have enough strength to pick up your sword. You don't have the strength on your own to face all the crises you're going to have. Psalm 34, 8 says, learn to savor how good the word is. Do you do that? When you read the word of God, do you savor it? Okay. Now listen very closely to this. Because this is kind of a secret. Your view of the Bible, what you think it is, will determine how much you enjoy it. If you think that the Bible is a textbook, does anyone ever enjoy reading a textbook? No. I hate reading textbooks. If you think this is a textbook, if you think this is like homework, you're never going to want to read it. If you think it's a history book, well, it does have some great stories in there, the history of Israel and Jesus and all that stuff. Do you enjoy reading a history book? Now, some of you do, but not many. If you think of it as an, as an insurance policy, it's your fire insurance policy keeping you out of hell, I, you better read it. No, you think if it's, you think of the Bible as your life insurance policy, how you got eternal life, how you get to heaven. Have you ever read your insurance policy? I know you haven't because they're boring and dry. Yeah, just show me where to sign on the policy. Make sure I'm covered. That's it. So if it's a textbook, a history book, an insurance policy, whatever that is, you're never going to read it. Because the Bible is actually God's love letter to you. Remember letters, those archaic de devices you get in the little box at the corner of your house on the street <laughs> or at, the, at your front door. When you used to get a letter, it was special. When my kids get mail nowadays, they're so excited. See who wrote to them. What's in it? Because it's usually money because it's a birthday card or a Christmas card or a holidays or something. It's almost a foreign concept today to get a letter because all we get is bills, right? We have instant communication. We have direct messaging. We have texting. It requires no effort to write, but a letter is different. It takes time to write it. The emotions and message are just more meaningful. If you're old like me, you remember those letters in the past. Now, see, the Bible isn't for everybody. The Bible is written for God's children. And that's why someone who doesn't believe in God and tries to read it, it doesn't make much sense. That's what you get for reading someone else's mail, right? It wasn't written for you. This is God's love letter to his children. And if you only do one thing, you start reading the Bible every single day. And I'll tell you even where to start. You know what? If you've, if you've gone through a lot of starts and stops, start this time in the book of Luke. It starts with the story of Jesus. Start reading through that. And if you're not in the book every day, you're going to forget how much God loves you. You're forgetting about the banquet table and you're going to be, as a result, you're going to be stressed out. You're going to think it all depends on you. You don't know what's covered in on the policy. You don't know what God has promised. Now, one more thing. This promise, you prepare for me a banquet in the presence of my enemies, is both for now and later. 
Because right now, while you're in this battle, you can have a banquet any day when you open up his word. And it will give you strength for the enemies in your life. But there's one day going to be a literal banquet for you in heaven. It's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. It's in Isaiah chapter 25. And so here's how it's going to happen. One day history is moving towards a climax in heaven. And one day there's going to be a party in heaven, a giant banquet for all of God's people who honored him and trusted him. It says this, Isaiah 25, 6 to 9, The Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of the finest food for all peoples. So it doesn't matter what your background is, color your skin, what race, cultural background, what religion. If you have faith in Jesus, if you trusted God, if God has accepted you into a family. So this is for everybody, no matter what your background is. So the Lord will prepare a feast for the finest food for all peoples, a banquet of the best of meats and finest wines. And on this mountain, God will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples and the sheet that covers all nations. Now, what's the shroud and what's a sheet? A shroud is literally what they put over dead people. It's a covering like for a mummy. They would wrap a dead body up in a shroud. It's a covering of death. And the shroud that this is talking about is the gloom that spread all over the earth because we all know we're going to die. And that brings our attitude that we're not going to live forever on earth. And that's the gloom that hangs over everybody because everybody knows they're going to die one day. And God says he's going to destroy that shroud of death that enfolds people and the sheets that cover all nations. Now, what are the sheets? That's the crowd of grief that we're all under because things didn't work out. Everything is broken on this planet. But God says one day at this banquet, I'm going to destroy that last enemy. I've told you before there's three enemies. The world, the, the world, our old nature, and Satan. But you have a fourth enemy, and that's death. And the Bible says that death is the last enemy to be defeated. It will be defeated on this day, and there will be no more death. Isaiah continues, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all the faces and he will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. What's that talking about? The disgrace of his people is all the put downs you've had for being a believer. When people put you down for standing for the truth. When people put you down for doing the right thing. When people put you down for claiming to be a follower of Jesus. That's the disgrace. He's going to remove it by having a banquet in front of all the enemies. He said, I love those people. They put up with all kinds of stuff at the office and at work and at home. But they love me more than they love you. Isaiah continues. He says, he will wipe away their tears. He will remove the disgrace of the people from all the earth. And in that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted him and he saved us. Yes, this is the Lord. We trusted in him. So let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. And then the party begins. So life is really hard. And I don't know how you're faring in all the battles you are currently in, but remember God loves you. He is good in the tough times. And let's grab a hold of his promises and thank him that even in the middle of all our battles, he wants to give us a banquet. He wants us to be the guests of honor. It's not in secret, it's public, it's on the battlefield. And even our enemies will watch it, how God honors us. So maybe you're not doing too good right now in the battle. The world around you with all the pressures, the stress, expectations, and everything's against you. Satan's always suggesting to you to do the wrong things to trip you up. 
your old nature inside of you is at war with yourself and you know you often do stuff that you don't really want to do and you don't do the things that you know you're good and healthy and right you get tired but God wants to have this banquet to hang out and have fellowship it's hard to believe that God would want to hang out with me that God would love me that much that he go to all the expense of preparing a banquet for me when I run for cover God is gently calling me calling you from the jaws of distress it's unreal when you realize that the very air we breathe is a gift that god wants to bless you and me before the watching world and all it takes is to put our trust in, in jesus christ now you may not understand all of that or what that means but all you have to say is god is to forgive me for going days without looking at your word everything you promise in there. Forgive me of everything I've done wrong, and he will. And he'll provide you with a banquet to, to help you. We need to commit not to go to bed at night without feasting a little bit. Because it's not good to go to bed hungry. We need to feed on his word and all those promises that he made for us. Because you know what? When you wake up in the bed in the next morning, you're stepping out into the battle. You're walking into the tent. And you can have that one-on-one -on -one fellowship with God. And you can receive his love. But you got to walk there. you got to do it. So no matter what battle you're in right now, I hope that this passage encourages you to seek him out, to seek out his banquet, to seek out his promises. And I will see you in the next spot. God bless. Have a great day.